Hello and welcome to the Right for Your Life podcast. Today I am joined by Robert Mills, who is design studio manager, copywriter and author of the uh, fabulous book Designing the Invisible. And um, welcome, Rob. Hello, Ian. Thank you for having me again. No problem at all, of course. That's because you've been on the podcast before. Yeah, is it twice now? Definitely once, maybe twice. Yeah, it was a while ago, though. It was on the kind of... Um, you were certainly on the first iteration before I... Before the pre seventy decibels when it was all a bit of a shambles. When I say a bit of a shambles, it's always kind of a shambles with me. But yeah. um, <laughs> slightly less of a shambles. Sorry, slightly more of a shambles than it is now. See what I mean? Yeah, yeah. It's already a shambles. Indeed. In fact, we've said, we've said the word shambles at least six times already. And Too much, yeah. I, Ironically, I was in York this weekend, and we went to the famous street, which is called The Shambles. Wow, there we go. Indeed, it must be just on my brain. <laughs> um, I'll get rid of all that. That was nonsense. Um, right, so um, what we want to talk about, certainly what I want to talk about, is um, the fact that you're an author, I'm an author, believe it or not, and um, something that struck me over the last... Uh, three or four months since A.S. Rangelica came out, was published, is um, is I've had to... I've found myself in positions doing interviews and that kind of thing where I've been articulating ideas that were that are in the book, and but I've had to articulate them in a different way, I guess. I've had to speak about them or write about them, and it's an entirely different challenge. And whereas previously I'd kind of discussed those things, I guess, with my wife or with my agent or friends, that kind of thing, um, and, and I kind of knew the intricacies of the novel and why I made certain decisions. But obviously once it's out there, anyone can interpret it in any way they want, and so you have to articulate your writing in an entirely different way. Which brings me nicely on to you, Rob, because you've just um, um, what's the phrase? You've kind of um, you've you, you've started. You, you're treading the boards on the speaking circuit. I am. That's right. I've done. Uh, I've got four talks under my belt now over the last year, and uh, one more confirmed for later this year. And we should probably say what you're talking about. So let's do, give us a brief overview of, um, of of I guess who you are and designing the invisible. Uh, a little bit about that before we go on to talk about. The main topic. Okay, uh, as you kind of mentioned at the start, I'm uh, by day I'm a studio manager for a, um, a creative agency in South Wales called Blue Egg, um, and uh, I'm a copywriter. I'm a journalism graduate and copywriter, um, so I do some freelance writing for uh, websites and for some industry uh, websites and magazines um, and, and client websites. Uh, and I'm author of Designing the Invisible, which is a book from five simple steps. Um, and it's basically how we can tell better stories on the web uh, through considering all the different elements that make up a website, such as color, typography, branding, uh, imagery, tone of voice, uh, etc. So um, that's kind of the writing side of me. Um, and the speaking side, shall I go straight into the speaking? Yeah, tell us what you've been up to. Yeah. Yeah, the speaking side. Um, it's it's a really strange thing. It's it, hearing you kind of say how you write something, and then when you talk about what you've written, it you know you have to think of it in a different way and how people can interpret it. It's really funny because um, writing is you know a, quite a isolating procedure. Well, certainly for me, you know, some people may go off to libraries and be surrounded by people and noise. But when I write, it tends to be me in a room on my own. So, um, you know, and then even when I was writing the book and it was going through the editing phase, my editor was um, 
one was based in Bristol and then the copy editor was based in Australia. So even then it wasn't kind of sitting down with people. It was very much sitting on my own, sending stuff off. Then it comes back to me and I amend it. And, you know, so it was very much just me on my own writing. Um, and when you kind of, um, and you know, if you kind of, when it was released, I could get some feedback through social media and things and our conferences. I had to have some chats about the book. But when you take to the stage and you talk about it, um, it suddenly stops being just you in a room on your own talking about that topic. It suddenly becomes you and however many other people in the room. Um, so it's been a really interesting, I hate to say the word journey, it's like we're on X Factor, but it has been a really interesting journey going from uh, writing and then talking, especially with it being, um, for me, there was a two-year gap between the Eve version of the book coming out and um was the first time I spoke at a conference so it was quite a long time and in that time I kept saying to people I think public speaking is kind of the next you know it's the next kind of natural step for me uh, something I'm really keen to do but I haven't got the confidence and things um, and I kept kind of crying wolf you know for a year 18 months and then last May I finally um, finally plucked up the courage uh, so I spoke at an event called Port 80 which is a uh, it was the first web event uh, called Port 80. The second one is this this year. It was the first one. It was in May last year in Newport. Um, and I did a joint talk with my boss, Tom, and we spoke about personality on the web. Um, and that was a great introduction to public speaking because, I mean, this this talk wasn't actually about the book. Um, it's related. We did talk about tone of voice and things, but um, it wasn't, you know, it, it was a bit more geared towards um, agency work, I suppose, and kind of what we do at Blue Egg. Um, but that was a good introduction because a it was in Newport, so it was on you know it was just across the road from the studio, so uh, you know it was familiar surroundings. I knew a lot of people in the audience, which is kind of reassuring. And because I did the talk with Tom, um, it was quite nice. It was it's hard. It's hard. Have you ever done a joint talk? Um, I did it at my first. Well, I mean, kind of. I mean, I I um, ran a, a spoken word night called Words Aloud in Sheffield, which was um for writers of any of any kind actually but it was mainly poets and short story writers fiction that kind of thing but we did have some slightly weirder stuff as well and um i I guess i did a lot of joint stuff there but it wasn't really in the way that you're talking about i don't think but but last year um i actually spoke at the children's media conference don't you know at the uh at uh, in sheffield and um and i spoke with someone there and i actually found it really challenging because i i I realized what a massive show-off i am straight away (laughs) and uh, (laughs) and although it was all kind of pre-planned i found myself um i found it quite difficult to know when to shut the hell up and when to go yakking on like i usually do yeah it's really hard and um it was it was really kind of um uh, I don't know, reassuring and supportive doing a joint talk with Tom because um, you know the pressure wasn't always on me and um, uh, it was just a nice way of easing into it really just having you know uh, somebody kind of next to me on the stage but the logistics of it were really hard to figure out we, when we were planning the talk we were like right well will you talk for the first 15 minutes and I'll do the second or do we do five minutes five minutes five minutes five minutes it was quite hard planning you know how it was going to work with two people um, so there were you know um some challenges with it but it was still really it was you know really nice just to ease in with Tom mm. um, so that was that was May and then uh, I think it was August then I spoke at a um, it's a spin-off of the main Port 80 conference called Local Hosts um, and this was um, 
a much smaller it was kind of like an audience of 30 people all sat on seats in the room very informal uh very intimate and it was just three speakers um for kind of 20 minutes half an hour each um so i did that on my own again it was nice because although i was on my own it was a smaller crowd it was you know um it was in the in the uni by the the studio again so familiar surroundings um and there i spoke about content first and how we had um adopted a content first approach at blue egg um, so again, that was very much about, you know, client work and experiences and things. So that was good because, um, that was kind of my first little, uh, outing on my own, I suppose. Uh, and then it really kind of ramped up for me, um, in November of last year when I spoke at handheld conf in Cardiff, um, again, another local one, but this was, um, I think there were 140 people. I might be wrong with that, but it, you know, it was a fairly substantial crowd of, you know, certainly for me anyway. Um, but it was quite good again because although it was a bigger crowd than I'd spoken to uh, spoken in front of before, um, I was one of three speakers who had a, a, a shorter slot of 15 minutes, uh, and they were all content-focused talks. Um, so that was really good because um, you know I wrote the talk myself, and the guys in Blue Egg helped me kind of do the slides and things, um, and so. Although it was a bigger crowd, it was a smaller time in front of them. So that was kind of another little, um, an, another you know smaller step on the on the ladder to kind of put myself out there, I guess. Um, and then my fourth and final talk was January this year, uh, so last month, um, and it was actually a really big deal because when I spoke at Handheld in November, that was also about um, content and tone, and I used examples from Blue Egg again. Um, and then I got asked to speak at um, an event called Second Wednesday. Which is a um, it happens on the second Wednesday or as near to as they can uh, of every month, and it's in Nottingham. And they happen to coincide January's one with the big New Adventures in Web Design Conf. Um, so it was like a fringe event to that. So um, people had to put forward their talks, and I was lucky enough to be one of the two speakers chosen. Uh, and that's when I spoke about designing the invisible. Uh, not. I didn't talk about the book as in the process of writing a book and you know all of that. I actually talked about the content of the book. Um, so that was the first time I'd spoken on my own. You know, I wrote it myself. I did all the slides myself, and it was a topic that was um, it was separated from what I do in the day job at Blue Egg. It was very much just me and my book and put myself out there. Hmm. Um, so that was kind of a very very big deal for me. Yeah, I mean, um, it's, it sounds it sounds like you taken what I would say as a fairly sensible route to speaking in public um uh, or if you're uh, if you're listening to this and you write fiction then uh, like i do then um then performing your work in 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 public i guess like so performing your poetry or performing your your short story that kind of thing and it is an extremely nerve-wracking thing to have to do i mean some people really struggle and i think i've always encouraged people to to, to do it to to give it a go and um, I think people just assume that you, when you first start speaking in public, whether it's at conferences the way that you do or whether it's a local spoken word night or a big spoken word night, that you have to kind of go straight in and um, and have like a 20-minute set or something like that and really kind of just wow everyone. But it, it isn't like that. You can start off small. You can you can ask politely for a slot at your spoken word night and, and you can read a single poem that lasts 30 seconds and you can you can pluck up the courage run to the stage, read it in as best, you know, as best you can, and then be off in, in, you know, a minute later and off to a different pub to cry or something like that. You can, you know, that first time you can do it however you want. And it sounds like, um, 
it sounds like that you've taken the, the right kind of you've taken that kind of approach really and started off doing something that you feel more comfortable with and then gradually building uh, your confidence and 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 working your way up and if i may say so rob and i hope you don't find this in any way rude or offensive i can even tell just from having done the podcast with you a couple of times that you're even way more confident speaking to me on the podcast and um i remember when we first did it i, I hope you don't mind me saying this when we first did it you kind of you uh, you we had the conversation before and you were worried about um uh, having to edit bits out or, you know, saying the wrong thing. And mm. before we started this one, I was like, you know, try and go all the way through. It's like, yeah, no problem. And you're speaking fluently and wonderfully, like I'm sure you have been doing at the conferences. Thank you. Um, yeah, I guess, I mean, obviously, a lot of that does come down to experience and confidence. I, I suppose I've been lucky in that those opportunities have been there for me to kind of dip my toe in and see how I, I felt. I, I'd reached a point where, like I mentioned earlier, I'd kind of been saying for a while, oh, yeah, I, want, I wanted to do it, you know, I'd be saying, I'm going to do it, I'm going to do it. And I had opportunities at other local smaller events and I'd kind of hadn't submitted a talk or I'd kind of just let those opportunities slide by. Um, and then it got to the point where it's either like, do it, and get on with it or shut up and don't say you're going to do it. You know, I couldn't just keep going, Oh yeah, I'm going to do public speaking. So, um, so I did, you know, I did take that step and, um, and how's it been, how's it been, um, articulating the ideas that are in your book? Because it's always interesting how people interpret it's yours is nonfiction. I've written a novel, so it is different. Yours dealing Mm -hmm. more with, I guess, to a degree, facts. But, you know, I know yours, is, there's lots of opinion and that kind of thing. But it's, it's slightly different. But but I st- I've still had, like I say, these these questions where I've done interviews. Or I had um, someone email me. Um, uh, it's actually someone I actually know in real life who emailed me and said that they'd read Angelica and they were, they were convinced that it was... Um, it was uh, some sort of, uh, I'm paraphrasing heavily, but an allegory for sort of Thatcher's Britain and, and, and socialism wow. and all this kind of thing. And I, and I kind of thought, hmm, maybe, maybe it was, and I didn't realise. <laughs> and I could see what they meant. And, and obviously, I, I, it, was, you know, it, it was quite cool that they'd taken that from the book. And you know, I encourage anyone to take whatever they can from any book or whatever yeah. they choose to. But in your case, it's, um, you are articulating an idea. So let me get to the question. How's it been? articulating the ideas that you're trying to get across in print has it been doing that to an audience and, and what benefit has how has it helped the book if, if you're an, a writer listening to this podcast what has it added what what was the what's been the, the the kind of the point of you doing the public speaking um it's been it's been difficult because um because obviously the, the topic i'm talking about ultimately is you know is web design um and so it just changes so much um and you know the book was written a couple of years ago now so um when it came to doing the talk in january um which is literally you know uh, i went from the start of the book to the end you know and i just kind of um took out the, the kind of examples and the main points i wanted to say it was a summary of the book really given in a, like a, a talk format um and i had half an hour um but i ended up speaking for 55 minutes and uh bless them they didn't like um they didn't try and pull me off stage and let me carry on um <laughs> but it was um that was the first thing that was hard was realizing that um 
half an hour isn't much time to talk about a whole book, you know. So it was like, and obviously I went way over went way over that time. So I had to really kind of try and strip it back. And even though I thought I had, you know, clearly um, it wasn't stripped back enough. So that was quite difficult, just trying to, you know, taking the book and just thinking, right, what can I include and what should I include? And if I don't include that bit there, then that bit that you know that came before it isn't going to make sense anymore. And it was quite, you know, it was that was quite challenging, just kind of. Um, Dilute, not diluting it because it, it was just challenging, you know, to, to try and figure out what to include and what not to. It is. It's, um, it's, it's, it is what to leave out. I, I have exactly the same problem when I'm asked to read at, um, uh, well, for instance, take my book launch. It was like, what, what on earth do I read? It's a 250 page novel, and yeah. I've got, I've got what at best half an hour. Which, which extracts do I read? And it's very difficult to when you're reading fiction. You're literally, literally reading from the book. Mm. You know, people can't concentrate for that long, and and I'm sure you got the same problem. How do you? Which parts of your book do you do you think are going to be the bits that are the most engaging in talk format? You don't know until you try, I guess. No, that's it. And I suppose if I did another talk on designing an invisible, I'm sure there's some bits that I would keep exactly the same, and other parts of it, right? No, that's definitely going out, and I'm definitely going to bring that bit in. So um, that was kind of the first obstacle. Um, and had and what has it added to the book? What what is speaking in public? Why kind of why in your case why do it in the first place? Um, there's actually a few reasons, and although people may not believe it, selling more books wasn't the top of the list. Um, <laughs> I wanted, I, I wanted to do it because again because I've been saying I was going to public speak. I just wanted to share um, my experiences because I actually get a lot back, in, you know, from the community, and so I wanted to kind of, um, you know, they've been kind enough to support the book, and I. There's only so many ways I felt I could market it on on Twitter. You know, it's a bit of a running joke that I'm always mentioning the book, or I've always got it. If I tweet a photo, it's always somewhere in the background of things. And obviously, you know, I understand the joke there, and it's because I'm proud of the book. But there's only so many times you can mention it on Twitter. You don't need to um, apologise to me for for publicising your book on a, as regular basis as possible. <laughs> no, I don't. I stand to think I'm. Uh, preaching to the converted or flogging a dead horse there but um um so you know i, I do mention on twitter but i i kind of appreciate that that's not really going to generate many sales or much awareness anymore um and so it was another way to kind of promote the book and reach a new audience but it was also a way of um just sharing the experience because obviously the topic of the book you know storytelling on the web is some, it's something that you know i'm really passionate about and that you know i i I enjoy and I just think that the more people that are aware of it then maybe it would help um, their jobs or you know uh, might result in maybe um, somebody focusing more on content and things so I guess it was just about giving something back really um, and I was lucky that the the guys at Second Wednesday um, asked me to come along and it was a crowd of about 50 um, and it's it's really hard with web, with web talking because you know talking at web events I mean because the crowd is is quite mixed whereas my book is quite um, uh, it's for beginners really you know if you've been designing for years you may get something from as from a kind of refresher point of view but ultimately it's for design students and beginners um, but you know the the audience at these type of events is really diverse so then there's that whole thing like right how detailed do I go because I don't want to kind of you know be sort of teaching people how to suck eggs so to speak mm. but then I don't want it to be so vague um, it, it, you know that it's just nobody gets anything from it so it's like how do you actually pitch that um so i literally started from the the front cover and i just went through the book which in itself was a bit painful because i don't like reading stuff i've written once it's out there um because i just want to rewrite it all um so actually having to sit down and read the book was uh was a bit of a test for me <laughs> um but i managed to you know piece it together and um 
so I, I, you know the feedback was good so I think that it kind of it worked um, there's but, nothing quite like direct feedback from an audience to improve your writing I think it's, it's hard isn't it because you kind of you are you know when we had our little pre-podcast chat you've seen it you know it is a performance being on stage Ooh. and it is and I, I don't know it's really weird how the body and the mind kind of react to certain situations and obviously I can only speak for myself I don't know the process other uh, speakers go through but um, I'm, naturally I'm very nervous before I take to the stage um, and it kind of for me it starts about a week before the talk um, <laughs> and so what I'm finding is I'm, you know, I'm tending to commit to talks that are months down the line and I forget about them. And then the month before, it's like, actually, I do have to get up and do this now. So the week before, I t- really start to panic. And um, But when I'm on stage, it's almost like there's nothing around me. It's really hard to explain, but I just get so absorbed in what I'm, I'm saying and what I'm doing that I kind of forget that there's, you know, however many faces staring back. Mm. And then when the talk finishes... My body does this really weird thing where it just aches from head to toe for about a day afterwards. I think it's all that kind of pent up, you know, tension and nerves and things. But um, but second Wednesday was the first time where I'd actually had a lot of time after the talk to to chat to people who were in the audience. Um, because it's a bit harder at web conferences. It's a bit harder because, you know, the, the breaks, there's not many breaks and everyone's moving on. There's so many people there. The second Wednesday, a lot of people stayed for drinks afterwards. Um, so that was really um, mm. interesting experience, you know. And it's it's just overwhelming, people taking the time to come up to you and just say, oh, I just want to say thank you for your talk. And, you know, that's mm. just like – and it's that sort of thing that really pushes me to – to do the next one, I suppose. It's, but, um, it's rewarding. It is. It's absolutely, uh, genuinely very rewarding. As you say, writing in any capacity is, is generally a fairly solitary process. And if you've got a book and you've published it and you're out there talking about it and someone says, any, any kind of feedback is good. It's like, it, yes, it's, it's, yeah. it doesn't have to be the most wonderful feedback in the world. Um, it's it's just nice to be read and to for someone to listen. And it's... Um, Public speaking is is kind of is it's a good way of doing it, and it's a good way of promoting the book. As you say, I know you say you don't, that wasn't the main reason, but you know, let's face it, a lot of the time that is the main reason, and there's nothing yeah. especially wrong with that. It's as long as you've got something interesting to say, or you've got something that's reasonably entertaining and that people want to listen to, then you're kind of laughing. It's fine. Yeah, I think um, having something to say is really important, isn't it? Because I kind of. Um, with web design, you know, there's there's a lot of processes, there's a lot of way of doing things, and you know, um, and so many agencies and freelancers work in different ways, and it's changing all the time, and you know, there's sometimes where you think, is there actually a right or a wrong way? You've got to find your own way, and so um, I was always very kind of nervous about talking about, even though I'd written the book, I was I was even I was very nervous about writing the book anyway, um, and then those nerves kind of translated to you know being on stage talking about that con- the same content um but then i kind of realized as long as i talk about my experiences uh and then you know my opinions then then that's fine it's you know i'm not i'm not i wasn't dictating to people you must do things this way you know it's, it wasn't about that i was just saying hey guys this is my experience you know this is how i do things this is what i've learned this is what i think um you know and then hopefully people can take away from that and naturally people are going to disagree but that's fine you know mm. i don't expect i don't expect everybody to um to agree at all but um it was it was nice just kind of people saying oh we appreciate you like doing a talk and i could never do it and so on so um well, it, yeah so, go on, sorry. No, I, I was agreeing. That, that's absolutely right. It's, a lot of people say that. It's like, I can't believe that you were 
that you were, you know, you've got the guts to stand up and talk in front of people. But the truth is, once you've done it a few times, it does become, it becomes natural. And in my opinion, what you get out of it, like feedback, um, um, a kind of uh, more confidence, more book sales, um, and just enjoying it. I mean, crikey, that's as good a reason as any, just to, is if you enjoy it. You know, what you get out of doing it, once you've got past that initial stage of, of a lack of confidence um, or, or just being wary or worried about what people will think, once you're past that, then what you get out of it is, is just well worth it. Definitely, yeah. I've blogged recently about the whole me and speaking kind of um, situation. And, you know, I said there that um, the more each time I've spoken, I've enjoyed it more than the last time. Exactly. Um, and which, you know, for me, that's a really important thing. If I'm going to, if it's something I'm going to do moving forward. Um, you know, I was also kind of, I was kind of talking about imposter syndrome. I don't know if you ever come across that kind of term, but it's basically uh-huh. where you've, you've had some kind of level of success. You know, it doesn't have to be, you know, you're the top of your game, but you've had, you know, things are going well, you're doing all right. Um, but you just don't feel worthy of kind of being in that position. Um, and that's something I've struggled with for a long time because I'm actually okay. Um, in scenarios and situations with new people and just kind of chatting to strangers. And so for me, it wasn't so much being on stage in front of those people where the nerves came from. It was being on that stage talking about things that I was worried people didn't think I was justified to talk about. Um, so that was kind of the biggest challenge that I had to overcome. And again, even though I had the book, you know, um, so it wasn't just like, well, I've written a book on it, therefore I'm justified. I, I experienced imposter syndrome significantly when I was going through the whole process of the book. Mm. So, you know, it's just moved from, oh, I'm not qualified to write this to I'm not qualified to talk about this, you know. Mm. Um, so that was the biggest kind of um, challenge I had. But um, but going through that process and you were kind of saying, you know, you're asking earlier the reasons why and what, you know, what's become of, of talking about the book and things. Um, it's just giving me that confidence to think, actually, I, you know, I do have something that... It, uh, it's worth saying I think um, people seem to want to hear it as well um, and so for me as long as as long as I as long as people want me to talk at their events I'll continue to do it as long as I enjoy it as well I'll continue to do it but as long as I get experience between those talking events um, about what I'm talking about then I'll continue to do it does that make sense I it need to keep sense. getting experience doing um, what I'm talking about I think that just about makes sense. I think I know what you mean. I think everyone else will too. It sounds like a good place to end the podcast as well, as we're uh, we're at our roughly half an hour limit. Okay. Um, I will put a link to all of these things in the uh, in the show notes. Um, so to designing the invisible and um, some are any of your talks were any of them filmed and online? Um, yeah, a couple of them are. Uh, the second Wednesday one. There's an interview online and right. the videos to follow in a couple of weeks. But okay. um, if if I send you the links afterwards, maybe that would be uh, that would be marvelous. Um, and uh, where can people find you online? Where's your blog and your Twitter, all that kind of thing? Uh, my Twitter is at Robert Mills, and my blog is robertmills.me. Um, currently, today I kicked off the process of redesigning that, so that'll uh, that should be good. But it's still up and running at the moment. Um, and yeah, and the book is at fivesimplesteps.com. Don't forget the book. No. Uh, and um, and uh, everyone, you can find me at um, uh, ianbroom.com or you can go to um, uh, my Twitter account, which is also Ian Broom. You spell that I A I N B R O O M E. I have to tell you that every time because of um, because of my uh, my uh, because of my name. Right, that's a weird way to end a podcast. That's how I like <laughs> to do it. Thanks very much for joining us, Rob. Uh, pleasure. Hopefully, we'll uh, get to chat again. Absolutely.